Welcome to Valley Talk. I'm your host, Heather Stark, and with me is a very special guest, our State Attorney General, Bob Ferguson. Welcome, Bob. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Good. Well, you're out here in the boonies. You visited the Rotary in Duval <laughs> yeah, this morning. Right. And what, what, what else are you doing out here? What brought you out here? Well, the Rotary is the primary reason. So I have a goal of speaking to every Rotary club in the state. There's about 180 of them around wow. the state. Yeah. And so this was number 156, I think. So I'm almost done. I'm on the back on the back end. So tomorrow <laughs> morning, for example, I'll be at the Snoqualmie Rotary Club meeting. So, wow. yeah, so yeah. you're staying in town overnight? No, I'm going to head back home. So I've yeah. got, we've got kids, so I'll, I'll yeah. get back home so I can see them and then head to Snoqualmie later on tonight. But I will spend the night out there just so I don't take any chances on traffic getting out there tomorrow yeah, morning. Good, good move. Right, right. You don't <laughs> want to be late for the Rotary Club yeah. meeting. But uh, no, I love the Rotary Club meetings. It gets me out in every part of the state, as you mm-hmm. might imagine. And I get a chance to hear from constituents all across the state. So I really enjoy it. Do you just go to Rotaries or do you go oh, to I'll Kiwanis? go to Lions Clubs, I'll go to Kiwanis, I'll yeah. go to whoever has me. But, uh, Sir Optimus, but, but, which is but, a women's group. Right. But yeah. at some point I just, for whatever reason, just thought, hey, you know, Rotaries, I'll just kind yeah. of have a particular focus there just to go to every single one of them. And uh, um, no, it's it's been great. And this Rotary was typical. You know, there was uh, folks really engaged in the issues of the state, mm-hmm. asked lots of questions, and good for me to hear their perspective on issues facing the state. Sure. Yeah. Um, let me do the formal mm-hmm. introduction. We were laughing a little bit yeah. about how you go to the website and you give instructions on how to introduce. I'm going to vary from those instructions a little bit. That's just fine. Um, yeah. And one of the, the reasons that I'm going to vary is because we're in the rural area. Mm-hmm. And so I want to ask you, particularly questions that are focused on the rural areas. Mm -hmm. You are the father of twins. I Mm -hmm. believe they're 11 now. That's correct. Okay. And you are a chess master, an internationally rated chess master, which is an interesting little sidelight here. But those skills probably come in pretty helpful, helpfully for you, right? Sure. Okay. Uh, You received a law degree from New York University School of Law in 1995 and a BA in political science from the University of Washington. You were the student body president, so Mm -hmm. you always had political aspirations? Well, aspirations might be a little strong, but I've always been interested in in government of, of different kinds. My parents were sort of Dan Evans Republicans, and they often had political candidates come to the House to speak. And so I was always interested in politics at a young age. My parents kind of yeah. encouraged that, and they were interested in, in government and how it worked or, or didn't work. Yeah, yeah, very good. I try to do that with my kids, too. Yeah. You began your legal career in Spokane as a law clerk for Chief Judge W. Freming Nielsen of the Federal District Court of Eastern Washington, and then you then clerked for some other judges mm-hmm. and did Court of Appeals stuff. You returned to Seattle and joined a law firm there, and in 2003, you were elected to King County Council, and you defeated a 20-year incumbent, that's so right. that's quite nice for a newcomer. Mm-hmm. Um, In 2012, you were elected Washington's 18th Attorney General, and you have, well, let me me go to my list of questions, because I kind of have a logical response to that. Does everybody know what the Attorney General does? (laughs) No, absolutely not. No, most folks, uh, I think it's fair to say most folks, not unreasonably, have little idea. It's a big, complex government we have, and... and, uh, it's uh, no. So, in fact, when I go to the Rotary Clubs, like I was here at Duval, the first thing I do is spend a few minutes just describing what the heck the office the Attorney General does. That, that's mm-hmm. how I usually introduce myself when I go to a Rotary Club meeting. Okay, so give us the, the three-minute, what does the Attorney sure. General do? I'll try and do it in about 90 seconds. But at okay. a high level, think of our work in sort of two buckets. The biggest mm-hmm. bucket is, and most of the people in our office do, is work we do on behalf of the state. We're the law firm for the state of Washington. Mm -hmm. Now, people often think, oh, that means you're the law firm for the legislature. That's true, but we're also the law firm for every state board, commission, agency, of which there's a couple hundred. Some of those are huge, the Department Mm -hmm. of Corrections. 
were their law firms. We give them legal advice in the same way that any CEO, she gets legal advice from a lawyer, but the CEO, she decides what's best for her business, right? right. But she's getting legal advice from her lawyers. That's no different than our relationship with uh, our state clients. We give them legal advice, but they make the decisions on how to proceed. That's a huge amount of our work. So we have about 600 lawyers uh, in our office, and that's a big part of our work. The other part of our work, which is smaller, but tends to be in the news more frequently, is work we do directly on behalf of the people, where the people are the clients. So think areas like consumer protection, civil rights, antitrust, criminal justice, anything we have at the federal level, for example, whether or not to file a criminal uh, a criminal justice case or a consumer protection case, that's my decision. I don't call up the governor to ask or an agency head. Those are my decisions to make. So again, that's a, it's still a lot of people, but it's a smaller part of our office, quite a bit smaller. But that is often what people read in the newspapers if they're that's, reading about our office. That's the part that gets the publicity. That's exactly yeah. right. So at the most basic level, we defend and enforce Washington state law as adopted mm-hmm. by the people through the initiative process or the legislature through mm-hmm. the legislative process. And we do that whether we personally agree with the law or not. Obviously, mm-hmm. that doesn't matter to us. Our job is to defend what the voters want or what the legislature chooses to do. Speaking of the initiative mm-hmm. process, you are obviously getting a lot of publicity about the lawsuit against Tim Iman. Do you want to say anything about that for us? Uh, sure. I mean, it's, uh, it's a lawsuit that's been in the news quite a bit. Um, it's a campaign finance case. So Washington State, uh, the voters passed an initiative back in the early 70s that required uh, ent- ent- entities or individuals engage in the political process to disclose who's writing them checks, where the money's coming from. That could be if it's an initiative or if you're an individual like me running for office. I have to disclose who all my donors are so your viewer, mm-hmm. your listeners can go online and see exactly who all my donors are and how much they donated. So right. it's transparency in our elections. Our allegation is that Tim Iman did not disclose um, adequately where money was coming from on the initiatives that he worked on and specifically that he actually had a fairly involved um, scheme to personally profit from those initiatives while mm-hmm. making it look as if the money was going somewhere else when actually the money was going into his bank account. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you've got to be transparent about where that money goes. So he's been in trouble in the past um, uh, with campaign finance violations. He's been in contempt of court now for many, many months. He's had to pay tens of thousands of dollars of contempt fees for not cooperating with the court. So, you know, it's a serious situation for Mr. Ryman, but our job is to enforce the campaign finance laws of our case. And I'm, I'm very confident we'll prevail. Okay. All right. I'm confused because if the AG's... Okay. Enforce. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Um, hmm. All right. So the courts enforce, though, right? Well, no. I mean, the, the courts will determine whether or not we prevail in this case or Tim Iman prevails in the case. Okay. Right? But, but my job is to defend state laws if, if we're sued okay. or to enforce those laws. So okay. All right. we I have, for saying. example, a Consumer Protection Act it says mm-hmm. you can't treat consumers uh, in a deceptive way in the marketplace. If mm-hmm. a business violates that, we have a big lawsuit against Comcast that just got wrapped up. We will file a lawsuit against an entity like Comcast to enforce the Consumer Protection Act because they were deceiving consumers mm-hmm. across our state. So the job of my office is to enforce those state laws uh, if someone is not following them. And a lot of those lawsuits, and again, they get publicity, mm-hmm. but a lot of those lawsuits are, are consumer-oriented. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you've sued LuLaRoe, you've mm-hmm. su- sued on the uh, mesh patches, mm-hmm. you've sued, and you've won a number of those. Oh, yeah. you know? So there's an, a large quantity of consumer lawsuits that have been filed. But you've also filed what appears to be, and what we get publicity and, and what we see in the publicity, which appears to be more of a political kind of a, of a take. 
Do you see a difference in your philosophy as attorney general compared to your predecessors? Oh, you have to tell me what the political take is. Well, uh, Crosscut, for example, uh, there have been several articles uh, talking about all the lawsuits against uh, political, the Trump administration, for example. How do those relate to the consumer lawsuits like LuLaRoe and the mesh patches and all that? Can you explain that for us? Sure. Well, number one, they don't relate. Those are different laws, right? So we have a consumer protection mm-hmm. team. In the consumer protection context, I don't think we've lost a consumer protection case as long as I've been right. attorney general. Uh, so, But those are very different cases than any litigation we have against the federal government. Right, and that's what I guess I'm asking. You know, that seems to be like a two, like almost a bifurcated job description. Um, How how does that relate? How do do you... Yes, I just want to emphasize that they're they're not political. It's the first president I filed litigation against was not Donald Trump, it was Barack Obama, Mm -hmm. uh, his administration on issues at Hanford. So those aren't political. Uh, And the litigation we've brought against the Trump administration... Uh, we've filed 40 lawsuits. We have 21 decisions from federal courts across the country. Washington State has won all 21 of those cases. Mm-hmm. We have not lost a single case. So we, we do not view the view those cases as political. We view it as the administration not following the law, which is their job to do. It's my job to make sure they are enforcing the law in a legal way, which they continue not to do. So, no, that is my job, whether it's the Obama administration or the Trump administration or the next administration. So... Now, we don't view those in a political lens and the fact that we have prevailed in every court so far across the country, whether it's we're appearing before judges who are appointed by Republican presidents or Democratic presidents, we literally haven't lost a case yet. Okay. Since we're out in the boonies here, um, it seems like so many of these actions that you file are related to urban areas or large populations. Um, what do you, how do you see, how do, I know you were a King County Councilman, how do you mm-hmm. view the, the rural areas? How do you see rural areas relating to the Attorney General's office and vice versa? Well, our cases aren't, aren't related to the urban areas only or the rural areas only. Mm-hmm. For example, we filed a lawsuit against Comcast. That case went to trial. We prevailed after a long trial. That case was about Comcast putting a fee on consumers' bills. You know, you look mm-hmm. at your bill, it comes in the mail. If you're like me, you look at it and say, what is that $5 fee? Did I really sign up for that? Uh, consumers complained to us. Uh, we didn't care whether those were consumers in rural or, uh, or urban areas. They're consumers who are being deceived by Comcast. We brought a lawsuit. Uh, we prevailed. The judge said that Comcast violated our Consumer Protection Act 455,000 times. Uh, Comcast received an almost $10 million penalty. In addition, thousands of consumers across our state um, will receive restitution for having paid that 5 bucks a month mm-hmm. for many months when it was improper. They never signed up for it. They didn't want it. Those will be consumers in rural areas. Those will be consumers in urban areas. It doesn't matter to us. Uh, mm-hmm. We bring a consumer protection case. I've never once had anyone say to me, hey, Bob, this is a case for the urban area or this is a yeah. case for the rural. It's just not how anyone in our office thinks. Another example, which I talked about at some length at the uh, Duval Rotary, was work we do on behalf of uh, the opioid epidemic. So we have litigation against, for example, Purdue Pharmaceutical. This is a big, big lawsuit. They're the manufacturer of Oxycontin. Uh, This is a very addictive substance, which has helped fuel the opioid epidemic that we have in our state. On average, two people die every day in our state of an opioid overdose. And so we have filed a lawsuit against Purdue Pharmaceutical. Believe me, when I tell you as I travel the state, uh, and I've been to every county in this Mm -hmm. state, uh, that uh, the opioid epidemic hits every part of the state. Red, blue, uh, urban, rural, uh, race, class, doesn't matter. And so we have litigation against Purdue Pharmaceutical. We have litigation against three distributors. These are Fortune 15 companies 
who literally have distributed more opioid prescriptions, not pills, more opioid prescriptions than there are people in more than a dozen counties in Washington state. They have a legal obligation when distributing those opioids if they see red flags of an order, a large number of orders in a small community, not to ship and to notify the authorities. They did not do that. It just so happens most of those happen to be in more, somewhat more rural counties. That's irrelevant to us. Mm -hmm. We're focused on is making sure that those Fortune 15 companies, which are very, very powerful, are playing by the rule or playing by the rules. In that particular case, they most certainly were not. So there's never been uh, a conversation in my office where someone says, hey, we're focused on this part of the state, these urban folks, these rural folks. That's just Mm -hmm. not the way these cases work. They impact all Washingtonians all across the state. Okay, great. Um, Does the attorney general's office have any kind of a role relating to education? How do you see that fitting into your role? Sure. Well, we are the law firm for the superintendent of public education, for Mm -hmm. example, right? So we are their law firm. So the superintendent, of course, sets policies, right? He is elected by the people Mm -hmm. for that role specifically. I'm not the superintendent of public instruction, right? Mm -hmm. We have someone who does that job. That said, we give legal advice to that office Mm -hmm. to help them, guide them. They can choose to follow our advice or they can go their own way. That's really up to them. By the same token, we give advice to the state legislature or to the governor, Mm -hmm. often on education issues, when they have a legal issue surrounding a potential law they want to pass or a potential issue they're looking at. But just to be clear, I'm not the policymaker when it comes to education, Mm -hmm. right? That's the state legislature. That's the superintendent. Mm -hmm. So I have to be very mindful of what's my lane, right? Mm -hmm. I'm their lawyer. They set education policy. They set the budgets for it. That's not my job at all. My job, though, is to give them, and my team's job is to give them good legal advice when they need it as they are grappling with those often complex issues. A couple of times you've mentioned that you give advice, they can choose to follow it or mm-hmm. not. If they choose to not follow it and then there's some sort of legal repercussions, are you, is your office required to defend them? or yes. to? Okay. Yes. The only exception would be if we feel that we as lawyers, and there's an ethical code for lawyers, if we ethically mm-hmm. don't believe we can do that. For example, if we feel uh, that, uh, and this would be extraordinarily rare, where our client has no legal basis to be in court. Mm-hmm. There is no defensible position to submit to the court. As lawyers, you have an oath to right, to follow law and only make arguments that are legitimate. You can't just dream stuff up. But as long as our client's Oh, have, come on. Right? <laughs> no, I mean, no, it's, uh, you can be creative as a lawyer, but you have an ethical duty, yeah. right? And so, and so we take that seriously. But that would be extraordinarily rare where it okay. happened where we would say to a client, we're sorry, we can't represent you. As long as they have a legally defensible position, mm-hmm. we may not agree with it. Look, I've been in plenty of conversations with clients where they take a position that I think is not the right one, but mm-hmm. that's not my job to impose my views on them. My job mm-hmm. is to give them advice. Here are your options. They can choose what's the best option. Okay. Your office, and this is perception, I'm sure, because I didn't quite honestly take the time to try and count Mm -hmm. up the lawsuits, but we have the perception, whether it's because of publicity or not, that your particular office has filed a huge number of lawsuits. Have, has Is that just a, a, a faulty perception, or how does the number, the quantity of lawsuits that you have filed overall um, compare with previous attorneys general? Well, I guess it depends what area are you talking about. What's I'm just the, talking lawsuits in general. Well, I guess it's hard to answer a question. that it, I mean, it's what I, what I can say is that if you're talking consumer protection, the answer is yes, we have filed more. Okay. So the Consumer Protection Office, which again makes sure that entities don't engage in an unfair or deceptive mm-hmm. business practice like that Comcast case or like that Purdue pharmaceutical case mm-hmm. when it comes to opioids. Um, so when I started as attorney general, I think we had 10 attorneys who did consumer protection work on behalf of the people. 
Uh, we now have about 30 attorneys to do that work and additional support staff to do that work. So, yes, we most certainly have filed more consumer protection lawsuits on behalf of the people. We have most assuredly returned many millions of dollars more back to consumers because mm-hmm. those lawsuits and mil- many millions of dollars back to the state of Washington as well. Um, so uh, civil rights, for example, we did not have a civil rights team in my office before I was attorney general. Mm-hmm. So if you called our office with a civil rights complaint, we referred you somewhere else, even mm-hmm. though we're the largest law firm in the state. That didn't make much sense to me. So I've mm-hmm. a civil rights team. And yes, we enforce our state civil protection, uh, civil rights laws. Um, that's on behalf of disabled veterans and making sure they have access to housing, for example. You, you name it, there's a lot of issues there. That was work we literally did not do before at all because we didn't have a team doing it. Now we do. So yes, mm-hmm. there's more litigation on that front. So when it comes to that affirmative work, Undoubtedly, at the federal litigation level, which we've already talked about, uh, there's more of that. When it comes to sort of the other bucket of work we do on behalf of the state, n- n- I mean, I'm, I, it's it's that's sort of a status quo operation, mm-hmm. right? That we just, you know, that, that yeah. that's just nuts and bolts part of our work. Yeah. So I've never seen any numbers. No one's ever shown me any numbers that somehow mm-hmm. those litigation we defend or enforce is somehow different in any significant way. Mm-hmm. But on that affirmative work we do, sure, the Consumer Protection Division has tripled. Uh, we now have a civil mm-hmm. rights team we didn't have before. It, absolutely, we're bringing more cases, and uh, and I think that's important, and the people would expect that. Okay. And with that in mind, obviously, the budget for the Attorney General's office has gone much higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, we have the fourth highest budget in the country. Um and I believe, and I could be wrong on this, but I believe that I read somewhere that the AG went to the co- legislature and asked for an, a, a, an uptick before the the end of the budget year last year. Um, what was that all about? Well, sure. We, we asked for more resources for an issue I was speaking at the Duval Rotary about for uh, one particular area of work. So of our 600 attorneys, 100 attorneys, the most work, uh, the most resources devoted to any one area. Uh, is the following. We have 100 attorneys who all they do is work on behalf of children in the state. So, for example, if you're a child in an abusive home or where there's neglect in the home, someone needs to represent the child, advocate for the child, if the child needs to be removed Mm -hmm. from the home temporarily or permanently. So these Mm -hmm. are very challenging cases, you might imagine. The state legislature, one reason our budget has grown since for for many years as the state legislature assigns us certain tasks. So back in the 1970s, for example, the legislature said, hey, Office of Attorney General, you will now be the advocate for those children. You're going to do that body of work. Mm -hmm. So we have 100 individuals, attorneys, who that's all they do in courthouses all across the state is advocate for that child. Uh, The problem is their caseloads are very high, higher than they should be. And there's be hard to find any work more important than advocating for those children in courthouses mm-hmm. across the state. So yes, I've gone to the legislature repeatedly asking for more resources, for more support staff, more attorneys to do that work on behalf of children all across the state. Those can be urban areas. Those can be rural areas. Yes. We're in all 39 counties. So absolutely, I've requested that. We've received some assistance from the legislature, which we appreciate. Of course, the office has grown, it's grown, grown under every single attorney general, Democratic or Republican, over the years. Um, you know, Back when Slade Gordon was attorney general, I think he told me there were about 100 attorneys. When Rob McKenna was attorney general, there would have been about 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's not because those Republicans were somehow uh, trying to grow our office indiscriminately. Mm-hmm. No, those are thoughtful lawyers who are uh, assigned tasks by the state legislature in certain bodies of work, mm-hmm. and they must do those. And so uh, we, we take that work very, very seriously, yes. When you file a lawsuit, whether it's a consumer protection lawsuit, mm-hmm. well, let's stick with the consumer protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll read about millions of dollars. I think, my, and again, my memory is faltery, but in reading through the different lawsuits against LuLaRoe mm-hmm. and the mesh patch and, yeah. you know, blah, 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 some of those um, findings, some of those, those awards 
were multiple millions of dollars. Oh, yeah. What happens to that money? And you pick mm-hmm. whatever example you sure. want to give. So I'll give you two examples because the answer is it depends, and there's really two circumstances. So number one, let's take the Comcast case since we've talked about that. If we go to court and there's a trial, and there's a judgment mm-hmm. by a judge, the judge decides what the penalty is. The judge decides where the money goes. If the judge issues a penalty, in this case it was about $10 million against Comcast, in addition to millions more they've got to pay back to consumers, by law, when a judge issues penalties, mm-hmm. that money must go to the state legislature. So that $10 bucks is going to the state general fund, and the legislature will decide what to do with it. If, on the other hand, the case is settled, so let's say against Comcast, I'd reached a settlement with Comcast for $10 million, right? Mm-hmm. I would decide where that money goes. So what we do, our philosophy on consumer protection cases is, if, if we can get money to consumers, if we can identify consumers who are harmed, and make them whole, that's where the money goes. Mm-hmm. If that takes all the money, that takes all the money. That's where it goes. Often though, the resolutions are far exceed that because mm-hmm. yeah. we're asking right, that what the conduct was improper. They don't just have to make people whole, they've got to pay a penalty on top yeah. of that. So uh, what I have to do is my consumer protection team is funded in whole by these recoveries. So there are no tax dollars of your listeners paying for those many dozens of people who are enforcing our Consumer Protection Act. It's from those recoveries. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the way it's set by the legislature. So I keep yeah. some back to run the operation. We also send many millions of dollars back to the state legislature that we don't need to run our operations. Mm-hmm. So the Consumer Protection Team, as an example, is that rare thing in state government. It's a moneymaker. There's, yeah. no, there's no tax dollars. We send many millions back to the state, tens of millions back to consumers mm-hmm. at least, and we can run the entire operation uh, from mm-hmm. those recoveries. Great. And when you get to decide, when your mm-hmm. office gets to decide, mm-hmm. is there a procedure for doing that? Yes, absolutely. For okay. any, whether it's civil rights case, consumer protection case, antitrust case, those affirmative cases, uh, I decide all those cases. So in every single one, whether it's a huge one like Comcast or we have consumer protection cases that involve literally a handful of consumers, uh, I get a memo on every single one of those cases. Um, and I decide uh, if we're going to resolve the case with a settlement, what that amount is, or if we're going to trial. So um, the reason for that is, is that those are cases brought in the name of the state. Um, and so obviously, you know, when the state brings a lawsuit, that's a serious situation for any target, whether it's a big company like Comcast or a smaller entity. And so I think it seems reasonable to me that I, as attorney general, should see each one of those, that it's not simply a member of my team who makes that final decision, but that that company knows, hey, it's, I'm looking at that and I'm aware of what our team is doing and I'm making the final decision on the outcome of that case. Okay, terrific. Thank you. I think you've really informed us. Now I'm going to ask you the tricky question. Sure. Um, A lot of people have been speculating, including the Seattle PI and Mm -hmm. Crosscut and a a number of publications, and it's pretty much all over that you're going to make a run for governor if our governor doesn't go for another term. Mm -hmm. You want to respond to that? Well, uh, it's... uh I don't worry too much about it. We have a governor right now. If he runs for a third term, uh, I'll support him in that. If he chooses not to run for a third, a third term at some point, then I would make a decision then about what I would do. Mm-hmm. So I've just learned in my life not to make decisions sooner than I need to. And mm-hmm. uh, it's not a decision that's in front of me right now. And so I frankly don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about it. I've got a pretty busy day job and I've got uh, young twins at home with my wife. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty focused on that. Yeah. So what? tell me about the twins real quickly. Yeah, 11 really years old, Jack and Katie. And uh, so they're enjoying summer camps as we speak right now. So they're having a good time. And uh, uh, so they're happy, healthy kids. So we feel very fortunate. Yeah. 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 yeah I remember those years of 11-year-olds. It, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. We, yeah. we had a break last week over the July 4th week and went camping over the Olympics and hiking. And, oh, how and nice. And they, they were swimming in... in uh, under waterfalls in the Olympics and having a great kid experience in, in, in a great state. It is wonderful. Yeah. 
I am sure there's a million things <laughs> that you have been asked that you could be asked that I have not covered. Sure. Is there something that you think is crucial for our listeners to know that I haven't asked you about? Maybe just the one thing I would say is that, you know, one thing that's the most important thing in our office is, in the work that we do is independence. And it's what I mentioned to the new lawyers who come into our office at a retreat we have every year because our job is, as we've talked about, to defend and enforce state law. I suspect there are many state laws you disagree with mm -hmm. and your listeners disagree with. There are plenty of state laws I disagree with strongly. Mm -hmm. My job is unusual in a certain sense, and my team's job is unusual in that our job is to enforce those laws or defend them. So if there's an initiative that's passed by the voters that I strongly disagree with, well, we're in there defending it all mm -hmm. the way to the state Supreme Court. That's what it takes. And we take that role very, very seriously. My personal views, the personal views of my team have nothing to do with our job in defending and enforcing mm -hmm. state law. And so I think that's something I would want folks to know. When I became attorney general, I followed Rob McKenna. He's a Republican. I'm a Democrat. I kept all of his deputies, the top lawyers in the entire office, to oversee all the divisions mm -hmm. of the office. I did not know those deputies, but I knew they had a reputation for running an independent, nonpartisan law firm. That's unusual. Typically, you come into a statewide office, you clear out the previous mm -hmm. leadership, especially if you're replacing someone of a different political party. But the culture of the AG's office in Washington is exactly the opposite. We have a lot of continuity. The woman who runs my consumer protection team, by the way, we talked a lot about that. Her name's Shannon Smith. She was hired by Rob McKenna. I kept her as the consumer protection chief, as I kept all the division chiefs mm -hmm. in the office hired by Rob McKenna, my predecessor, because that continuity is important. These are professionals. They've been doing this work for many years, over many administrations, and their focus is not on rural or urban. They're focused on mm -hmm. doing the job of all the people in the state of Washington. Great. Great. Um, I really appreciate you oh, coming out so much and, and talking with us today. You and bet. I think it's good for us to be able to get to know our elected officials Absolutely. and get to know what you're doing. We get a lot of publicity. We hear a lot of things, but that doesn't always show a, a, a true picture of sure. what's going on. So sure. thank you. Thank for you very much. I really appreciate it. And thank you for the job that you're doing. Thank you very much. Yeah, Come back and visit. It's us. a deal. Look forward to it. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. You bet. Hi, this is Amy Arrington, City Manager of the City of Carnation. Would you like to know more about what's happening here in the City of Carnation? If so, please join me every Sunday at 6 p.m. for Carnation Currents here on Valley 104.9. Carnation Currents is a 30-minute show where we talk about various topics that are important to the residents, such as upcoming business of the City Council, many of our current projects like the Tolt or Avenue Corridor Project, and any other topics that we think are very important to you and, and have an impact on your daily lives. So please tune in and join me for Carnation Currents every Sunday at 6 p.m. here on Valley 104.9. Mary Sweet, thank you for joining us. You were listening to our interview with our Attorney General. Tell me your initial thoughts. Well, I expected him to be well prepared, which he was. Um, I, I And I am a supporter of his. So coming into this, I thought, now I have to think about, do I support what he's doing generally? So I would support those same actions under a different Attorney General or not. And I'm coming kind of from the viewpoint of right now I'm in a study group and this is where I'm going today about the Miller report. And I think I have to look at this objectively and not, you know, from my bias 
as much. And so um, I know, you know, he does, there is this perception that he's filed so many lawsuits, you know, against the Trump administration. And I'm kind of a person who would go, go, Bob, <laughs> you don't do that. But then I have to make sure that I would feel that many lawsuits would be fair from a more conservative attorney mm -hmm. general. You know, is that the way to be an attorney general? So I was impressed about a couple things. One is I, I really didn't know exactly what they do. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know this split, so I thought he explained that well. And um, I was, uh, you know, uh, interested in the fact that really so much of what they do is um, child advocacy. Mm -hmm. And also uh, that last part about um, the fact that he'd kept uh, all the uh, what was it, department chiefs from Rob McKenna's administration, that the, that the attorney general's office in the state of Washington has a tradition of continuity. And... That seemed important to me. Yeah, that, that was impressive to me, too, because you do hear about how they all, you know, the, there's just this purge depending on what political party is now coming into office. So that's kind of encouraging. I think that a lot of times, and probably I didn't ask most the question in the most skillfully, skillful way I could have, but he has fired, uh, uh, filed a hurricane lot of lawsuits. And when I asked the question about it being, you know, going from consumer to political, I kind of knew he was going to say, well, no, the political ones are really consumer ones. Mm -hmm. But the perception, I think, when you go after one particular office or one particular candidate's platform or whatever, I think the, the platform is you're, you are going after it from a political standpoint, especially when you look at some of the... Uh, I mean, I'm thinking of the sewage spill that we had, and that was that, you know, should be on the shoulders of our Democrat county leadership uh, that we had not so long ago. And there were no lawsuits on that. That that one got a pass, even though it did real damage to Puget Sound, and and there's been a couple like that. So okay, King County the leadership West is all. Yeah, yeah. Um, Seattle leadership's all Democrat. <clears throat> tweet, 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 crickets when it comes to filing lawsuits against them. And yet we're going after the Trump administration. And some of them, I think, you know, what the heck? You know, I mean, what are, what are you doing all these lawsuits against the Trump administration? Pick a few, you know, pick a few and go for the go for those instead of, you know, the, the shotgun effect. That's my take on it. Well, and also, I think that it's hard, you know, are, those aren't those don't seem to be consumer lawsuits. And so I was a little puzzled by that comment. Yes, I expected that, you know, when you use the term political, what politician wants you to use the term political? Yeah. Um, but it sounded to me as if he sort of segued to, you know, consumer protection. And um, for instance, I know the, the ban on Muslims coming in was one of the lawsuits, and I'm, I'm no expert on all of this. You know, I read the things and hear about the things, but I'm not an expert. So I'm not quite sure where that fits into the whole scheme of things, you know, whether that's, you know, against uh, Washington state law in, you know, what yeah. way that that was pursued. Well, and I, I think the law is open for interpretation. I mean, I think that whoever's in that office gets to decide, you know, what they're going to pursue. Um, and that seems reasonable. I mean, that's why people pick candidates of different parties for different, at different times. I mean... Well, and always, you know, the old saying, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, too. So I think that's interesting. You brought up the King, uh, the, the West Seattle um, sewage treatment thing, because I'd forgotten about that, even though at the time my neighbor was really involved in the construction and uh, maintenance of that. And so it was a big deal at the time. And then, you know, I don't know personally what did happen to that. Did, you know, how would somebody get someone to follow through on that? 
Well, uh, he, his response and what I've read with the attorney general's office is that, you know, he kind of made it sound like the attorney general's office is the, the you know, the, the lawyer for the people. Um, they're the lawyer for the state, for elected officials. They're not really the uh, lawyer for the people. I mean, you couldn't call up and say, okay, I have this case, you know, because no, it's not for individuals. They look at it more globally. You know, they're the for laws I guess, that individuals have grouped together to pass yes yes it sounds like you know what what they do mostly is they're the attorney for groups of people yeah um but the when i look at the quantity of lawsuits you know he has filed and he even admitted that he's filed uh, his office has filed a heck of a lot of lawsuits um, not just, you know, political ones that we're talking about just now, but also consumer. I mean, he's filed against LuLaRoe. He's filed against the Mesh Patch. He's filed against um, um, yeah, Motel 6. He's filed, I mean, just lots and lots and lots of filings. And I wish I could have asked him. I'm, I'm not a skillful enough interviewer to have asked this question gracefully. Um, but do you guys try other things before you just file a lawsuit? Um, do you try to resolve these things before like is there litigation? Some mediation process yes, yes. That they are officially involved in. Exactly, because I know like the mesh patch thing, which is not you know. I mean, I don't, I don't know that much about it. It's not anything that's ever affected my life. However, I do know that the state's um, doctors, uh, a, a number of doctors and medical associations petitioned the office saying, no, this is bad because this mesh, you know, yeah, there are some bad outcomes with the mesh patch, but it's necessary and it's useful and you're removing a huge the, tool. The goods if you say, the yeah, arms, and yeah. yet, boom, that lawsuit anyway, you know. Um, so, you know, are they responsive? Do they try to do any kind of negotiation? Uh, I don't know a whole lot about lawyers, probably more than I wish I knew. <laughs> but <laughs> I, it seems to me they, they always try that whole mediation thing before they just file lawsuits and and it's well or file the lawsuits and then use mediation as a process to exactly, resolve it exactly yeah so for instance maybe with that particular case maybe if they'd required an, a warning for people more yeah. information about the dangers mm -hmm. um and i don't know enough about that case to know yeah. you know did they do that mm -hmm. or were they required to just file this lawsuit and then proceed from there yeah i don't I, know I, I either don't know. See, you should have been asking the questions. Well, I'm thinking of it now. I've gone out the door. I know, you know. I know. It's like the classic thing. Once you're out of the room, I have the yeah. great grunt comeback for I'll you. I'll email you tomorrow with all the questions. Okay, you great, great, great. Give me a call about midnight. Yeah. Um, the big things that are political, of course, right now are the um, ice and the photo recognition and the. I mean. And, and driver's license and yeah, information. Yeah, data. and and I must say, to me, those do seem very political. I mean, whether they're for the good or for the bad it, it, it is irrelevant, but they definitely seem to be politically uh, motivated, you know, from a political standpoint, political point of view. The, am I full of hot air? Do you see that? Uh, I, I could certainly see the ICE situation mm -hmm. as being uh, politically motivated. Uh, some of the... Uh, some of the other things, photo documentation or sharing of data, um, that I don't, I could see as more of a consumer. I guess if you use a 
term consumer a little broadly, but yeah. um, situations and uh, any of those things are going to be gray areas. Mm-hmm. But so, some of it, yes, I would see as political things. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, he denied it, which I, you know, I mean, I would have if I were in his position as well. Well, yeah, you don't want to say, yes, I'm doing this just for political yes, reasons. Yeah. No, but you know, but really, mean. every time he files a lawsuit, a political lawsuit, boom, there's publicity. And this guy oh, has gotten publicity all CNN. over the world. <laughs> he's been on yeah, CNN. I mean, sure. he, he's just gotten. And so, you know, I mean, I, I, and I must say, I've never met him personally before. He is very personable. Uh, doesn't have yeah. a great sense of humor, apparently. Um, but <laughs> at least not not in sync with my maybe, sense of humor. Maybe he's tired. You know? Yeah. Oh, could be. Could be. Those rotary <laughs> meetings are awfully early in Duval. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, plus he's it's got those twins. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he probably doesn't get <laughs> you a lot. And I both of, know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we and we've been there. We know what yeah. that's all about. Um, but yeah, I, I think that. You know, I think he's being disingenuous. We all know that these politicians are disingenuous when it comes to announcing. Their, I mean, every CNN, the Seattle Times, you know, I mean, you name everybody's going. Yeah, this guy, as soon as Inslee says he's not going to go for a third term, boom, he's there. He's on board uh, to run for governor. Oh, I he's mean, a logical um Mm-hmm. procession so I why mean, don't they just say that i mean and it's not just him it's all of these candidates i mean yeah. it's, it's like think, everybody yeah, knows this is what them. you're gonna do why do you have to be all disingenuous about it well i think they want to leave an opening just in case so that they, they don't, don't. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know and, and plus who wants to look grabby <laughs> you know but but uh yeah i mean in any case uh, you know and people are asking him so it's yeah. not him necessarily initiating this either but, it's like, but they're only oh, asking Bob, him been because in the news a lot and so uh, yeah. are you considering running for governor and he of course he's thinking about it who wouldn't yeah. be in that position yeah um so I don't the, know. Well, the other thing, you know, is what happens to that money. He, uh, you know, and it, and that's good to know because I've always wondered about that. You know, I mean, even going back to the old, you know, smoking lawsuits, you know, and I remember thinking, well, how much of that actually goes, how much of the, the that money actually goes to the victims? To the people, yeah. You know, because, I mean, I think the argument was that, well, the state, it cost the money, it cost the state money, you know, for all this kind of stuff. This, well, in the first yeah. place, it doesn't cost the state money for every person who's in the hospital. It just does. Um, and so to assume that every sick person is costing the state money is a fallacy. Um, but it seems like everybody likes to jump on that bandwagon. And so when there's these millions of dollars that come into the state, what happens to that? How much of that still gets filtered down? So I, I liked that he explained that to me, that in fact, some cases, some of it does actually go to the victims for compensation, like the Comcast thing. I don't think when, we, when it comes to health care, I've ever read that any of those funds actually go to the actual patients or, um, well, I don't know. And, and even though I think it would be great if it did, I'm not sure what kind of process would sort yeah. out who would get how much. Yep. Oh, you died from lung cancer. Well, some lung cancer, a small amount, but it's yeah. some is not from smoking. Well, what about secondhand smoke? What about mm. this? What about that? Oh, you died, but you're just still sick. So I, I don't know, but that's those are well, always yeah, but those kinds of decisions there. are made all the time. Yeah, you know, I mean uh, that's always an issue. I yeah, know. I understand that. But the fact that you know some of it goes to his office and he gets to decide. How Which he spent. did very clearly state. Yeah, he did say that. T- took that. Yeah. Uh, and then, and I never knew that before. Did you know either. that? No, I didn't. Yeah. I, and then some of it goes to the legislature general fund. That I knew. 
that I knew. Um, and presumably in many of these cases, the, you know, like with going back to the old smoking thing, you know, supposedly mm-hmm. they spent some of that money on education, blah, blah, blah. Um, but don't smoke or you'll look like this posters. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we'll spend a dollar 95 on those posters. Meanwhile, the other 45 billion can go. <laughs> we'll come up with something better for those. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, my there skepticism more than I'm remembering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, my Mary, Mary knows me uh, from, from way back. So she knows my skepticism when it comes to politics. Um, but <laughs> just probably why I'm here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Government. Exactly. We, the people, yeah. <laughs> we the people we chip in our money to get these things done that we can't do individually well i i, I you know these people that whenever i talk government with with folks and they always want the government to spend money i go where do you think the government gets their money i haven't seen any kind of you know department of agriculture bake sale to bring in funds i mean the only place they get yeah, money sure. we have to put it is in. from taxes there. and then things like these lawsuits yeah so it's and, a matter of you know what would be the fairest way to get that money and exactly. to spend that money and nobody's you know we're never going to get everybody to yeah. agree on that like he'd said you know there's laws that he doesn't like that he has to defend and some of the yeah. laws he really does yeah <laughs> well defend. and this is another area where you and i see very very differently i don't care about tim iman i mean i just don't care however his he has stated the attorney general has stated that he wants one of the out that he will not settle this lawsuit against tim iman for apparently two counts of failure to report um, on his his thing. I mean, it's we're not talking millions of failure. The two counts of failure to report something that the attorney general's office thinks he's supposed to have reported. Um, but the attorney general has stated that he will not settle that lawsuit. He wants an outcome whereby Tim Iman is prohibited from ever in, in, involving himself Some in politics again. Yeah. And that I have a problem with because. What Tim, you can disagree with what Tim Iman is doing, but you can't disagree with the fact that it's legal. What he's doing is legal. Well, he I think has what is not legal is I think there's a feeling, you know, and again, you're right. This is a place where we have known yeah. in the past that we disagree that Tim Iman has deceived people who have donated to him. Mm-hmm. And also that apparently, and I don't know that this has been proven or not, and I can't remember if he stated it directly or not, but pocketed a lot of those funds which is mm-hmm. illegal yeah but uh, that's, that's not what the like lawsuit's stealing. about the lawsuit you know even when he said that the lawsuit is about failure to report two items not about pocketing money not about you know none of those things were charged it's failure to report two items and 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 maybe well, he did maybe he pocketed everything i don't know that's not my argument my argument is is if you're going for a punishment where this person is prohibited from engaging and participating in a legal activity, that seems really bizarre and vindictive well, to me. Well, I do, I do think any you know permanent prohibition is yeah. a difficult thing because there's like the First Amendment. On the other hand, we have uh, you know sometimes they have to pick little things like like Al Capone getting sent to prison for tax evasion, mm-hmm. you know, rather than uh, murder and all kinds of you know and, yeah. and breaking prohibition. But those are because things get that th- but those are different. Those are punishments for things that have been done, and you select the tax because it's easier to get out, get them on the tax thing than it is for the murder and all that other stuff. Right. This is different. This is saying there is a perfectly legal activity that everyone in this the state— The initiative process. Yeah, the initiative yeah. process that yeah. anyone in this state can participate in. It's perfectly legal. It's perfectly allowable. And as punishment to you, we're going to prohibit you from ever engaging in that activity again. Yeah, I can that's, see what you're saying. That's the part yeah. that I think, whoa, that's yeah. that's just weird. That's just weird. 
I, you know, I can't say that I just yeah. totally defend that. I yeah. don't know exactly what the rationale is for that because that sounds a little odd to that me. That sounds too. very political to me. You know, uh, Tim, I'm in your pain in the patootie. So if we can go after you this way and prevent you from ever being a pain in our patooties again. Kind of like an extreme three strikes There you out. go. There you go. Yeah. So that one strikes me as, as odd and political, very political. Um, and again, I, I think all, of course, you know, I'm very skeptical about every politician, you know, everyone. Um, but I think that that's a very disingenuous way. I mean, I, I do think that you that's... You think it's kind of a vengeful yes. thing. Uh, and you, know, coming and from you a, may be right. I, you know, in my partly I have a little problem with political political as a term too because what isn't political you yeah. know it's mm-hmm. you know people well, are political within the PTA organizations you mm-hmm. know like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> everywhere mm-hmm. uh, it's a matter of people's motivation who was it who was it the the, the what is political the ah, you know that phrase you know the something is political the personal is political the the that sounds familiar, but I'm getting older and it's not clear. Right <laughs> well, Again, I know, call me I know at what midnight. you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I thought it was an interesting interview. I, I don't think I was on my game asking the best questions. I thought I had it well planned out, but I didn't. Well, I think just at the beginning you were thrown because of the yeah. Because I read that thing that said that he'd changed his political parties, you know, and, and uh, I asked him about. But then that. I thought you got back on your game. Yeah. So. Plus, you know, he wasn't an easy interview. He's he's very. Um, there are people with whom you can just kind of warm up, and they drop their guard a little bit. He didn't drop his guard ever. Period. Um, not at all. Um, I, I mean, not that that's a mean, nasty thing. I mean, I'm just saying that that I've interviewed a lot of people, including governors, and you know, and this guy, this guy's in control. Yeah, and I. I just sort of felt like he was passionate and very involved in what he's doing and really knows what he wants to say, mm-hmm. but but not in the way, um, like, uh, let's say, uh, you know, I was watching the recent Democratic debates, and there was somebody that I kind of liked, but it irritated me that this person didn't always answer the question and said they seemed to take, uh, actually it wasn't in the debate, it was in a town hall, seemed to take the opportunity to push one of their points. Yes. I kept wanting to say, shut up, that's not the question. Yeah. <laughs> we know you believe that. but yeah. and, and so I didn't get the sense that he was pushy about his agenda no. in talking to you, but a little bit of a, a wall that might be like yep. an introvert's wall, yeah. perhaps. Well, like the urban-rural thing. I mean, he didn't get that at all, and I would have thought that with his experience on King County Council, he would have, um, that, you know, there is a perception that we're not included. And, yeah, he's right. You know, I mean, if you are a Comcast customer, it doesn't matter whether you live in Fall City mm-hmm. or whether or, you live in, or you know, opioids. Seattle, whatever. Yeah. So he's right. But there is a difference, and I think that uh, rural people do notice that. Sometimes we just don't think we're included in all that stuff. Um, and I was hoping that he would address that, but he didn't. He just kind of glossed over it by saying, well, it's everything, you know, it's, it, it, there's no difference. Um, but there kind of is. There's, if, if, if for no other reason, then there's a difference in perception. You know, I mean. Well, and I think people do need to address perceptions. Yeah. Uh, as you're talking, you know, I'm thinking about how I grew up in a, in a rural area, but things were not as polarized. And I never had the sense or uh, that my parents, for instance, felt that they weren't 
heard because mm-hmm. they were in a rural area. I'm uh, not as rural as you. But yes, I'm Woodville, but you know that's I'm facing more towards you know Bothell, which is like not exactly big city. But um, so I've haven't had that perception mm-hmm. as much my myself I haven't had it but I am aware that other people mm-hmm. do and so if other people do have that perception you need to acknowledge it one well, let's put it this way one needs to acknowledge yes. it not you you do yeah. uh, acknowledge it and uh, and address that well and, and so maybe we, I'm the only one who feels that way but I th- I think that uh, well, I'm not I doubt that yeah. because I mean there's a whole you know yeah. eastern Washington eastern Oregon versus western Washington mm-hmm. western Oregon I mean that's kind of a classic Midwest yeah. United States versus the coast you know so it's not just a Heather Stark perception it's it's something there where a lot of people are feeling unheard and I wasn't clear and it could be my bias I wasn't clear if he didn't get that or just didn't think you know thought that they really were not acting that way or I I wasn't quite sure but there were several times where he stated you know it was not a rural versus urban thing that they were for all the people. Well and he has to know by coming out to Duval Incarnation that we're going to have some sort of questions about. Well by the way that's one of the things that impressed me that he was you know I'm no Rotarian but the fact that he was making that effort to go to every single one it has to be that he's at least trying to or at least mm-hmm. again having the either that or campaigning having yeah. the perception <laughs> want people to have the perception that he's yeah. listening to them which mm-hmm. is, is at least some sort of awareness mm-hmm. i don't know how the people in in rural areas who have listened to him are feeling about it but uh, so overall mary what did you think of the interview i mean i'm glad he came out here i'm glad that we had a, a chance to talk with him i'm not satisfied with the interview uh, uh, you know on a scale of one to ten i'm like at a seven you know a squishy six um, as as far as not only my questions, but well, yeah, his isn't responses. Isn't that kind of a good life approach? Kind of a squishy six, kind of on the positive side. You know, it's going okay. A not exactly over how you wanted yeah. it. You know. But um, well, I'm I'm really glad I came. Uh, you know, I I used to be uh, really shy, but now I love to talk. So I'm glad I had the chance to talk. But really, I, even if I hadn't had a chance to say a word, I was really glad to listen to him because it was much more inclusive or more in depth yes. than anything I had ever heard about the attorney general is just kind of one of those offices you vote for, you mm-hmm. know, secretary of state, attorney yep. general, and lieutenant governor. And it's like, yeah, I'm not sure what they yeah, do, lieutenant but governor, I'm going to try I to mean, vote for at least one person of the other party, which one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I like about you, Mary. We don't necessarily agree in politics, but you're always, you're always willing to, to be open. Oh, I do. I always <laughs> vote for at least one person in the other party. Yeah. Uh, I don't want a single party system. Well, you know, but. the thing that, and this is a whole different show, but the thing that always knocks me out is voting for judges. Nobody yeah. says and anything about judges. And it's yeah. like, oh, uh, no. Uh-uh. I'm not even sure. Well, some states, they don't think they do vote for judges. No, sometimes they're appointed. Um, but, and I don't know about that But either, I don't know that that's any better. political, that's, yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, I thought it was very interesting. But I would, you know, it did bring a lot more questions to mind, especially in talking like, I wish I could have learned more about this or more about yeah. that. And I didn't realize it was such a huge office. Oh, God, yeah. Well, we, w- we were telling you about the budget. I mean, it is big money, mega bucks. But I'm surprised you didn't mention New York on that list of the top you say I know. Oregon. What's Oregon doing? Well, Oregon there? and Texas. Well, you know, Texas women, is a huge them. state, though. Texas, that makes sense. Texas, well, yeah, California. But, you know, but I mean. Oregon's way littler than even Washington. See, I printed out all these things. You know, I had a piece of paper on every lawsuit that he's filed in the last, you know. And he's filed 40 lawsuits against the Trump administration. Um, 
the FBI, ICE, you know, da da da. Oh, he's also um, called for the repeal of the death penalty. He's, um, you know, let me see. Yeah, yeah this, this was, uh, you know, the, the thing. Um, I forget. I think it was The Stranger that reported um, in the dawn of the Trump era, it appears that Bob Ferguson's obligations shifted overnight. In addition to being the state's top lawyer, Ferguson has now also taken up the mantle of protecting the, the people, that's in quotes, kind of the from the extremist PR right-wing person. federal policy uh, emanating from D.C. Well, that's a very political motivation. Um, and that was from The Stranger? The Stranger, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, which is not noted for... For its yeah. conservative stances. No, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when the stranger starts noticing, <laughs> you should probably you know pay attention. Yeah, and then the child dependency cases, I mean, he attributed that mostly to the opioid crisis, but I, I mean, I do a lot with courts and stuff, and I was I was going to ask him about oh, domestic I violence, that. but did then he, I was, he was connecting those? I mean, there were yeah, a things in, I in previous articles, he didn't him. during the interview, but in previous oh, articles, okay. and, you know, he's connected. He, he is attributed most of the dependency issues, uh, child custody issues to, to drug related. Uh, yeah, to the opioid issues. stuff. Um, let me see, I'm looking for, but he's, I mean, he's filed suits against Johnson & Johnson, Motel 6, Lula Row. Um, what was the Motel 6 one? Um, Motel 6. I know you six. mentioned that before. Yeah. Uh, Motel 6. Of, they'll leave the light on um, for you. Oh, because they gave their guest lists to ICE. Oh, that's right. That's right. They did that. So... Um, well, I suppose that's a consumer protection and that you're, if you're, you know, paying for a motel room, but, you don't you necessarily know, expect that your information is going to be given to the federal government. I don't know what happened to my list of, of funds here. Um, but the, yeah, w w our budget, our state attorney general's budget is the fourth highest. The uh, first is, um... California, California, then Texas, Texas then and Oregon, Oregon, and then us. But again, I would really wonder why Oregon and not New York. I don't know. I don't know. You know, and, and he's, you know, top, among the top paid. I mean, like I said, there's a clump of like five. Um, there are three that pay, are paid more than him, and then there's a clump of like three others that are paid like $200 more than him a year. But he's right up there, you know, as far as being the highest paid attorney general. Well, um, in the top ten. Of course, that, that part makes sense to me because in population, we're about, I think, number 19 as a state, somewhere in there. Yeah. And, well, then uh, when you expect and, to be being and we have a higher highest paid? Cost of, <laughs> higher cost of living. Oh, you know, please. Wages are yeah. just higher yeah. here. I went to Idaho a few weeks ago, and I was like, you can get this meal for, yes! I can't even buy a sandwich for this. Well, you, you know? know, I just came so. back from that cross-country trip, and it's like, Oh my gosh! I mean, I stocked up on groceries as I was going through Idaho, you know, <laughs> because everything's so much cheaper, you know. And I yeah. mean, <laughs> I brought a cooler. I'm, I'm, I'm in Ohio, going. I will. I love this dip. Let's just. Get it was when my sister was trying to load up my bags. I said I can't carry this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, it's almost worth it because you get a little vacation and then you can yeah, stock. I should have driven like she did. No. Yeah, yeah. Okay, next cross country trip, it's you and me, and it's a grocery trip. Okay. <laughs> Go, We're going go. for the groceries. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, well, Mary, thank you for joining, and thank you well, for. Thank you. We had a couple of other observers in our studio, and I want to real quickly before we run out of time uh, talk to them about their impressions. So thanks for coming in, Mary. Thank you. And uh, uh, come again. I enjoyed talking with you. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we've talked with the Attorney General. We've talked with Mary Sweet, who was an observer. We have another observer with us. Ben, introduce yourself. Uh, hello. My name is uh, Benjamin Iman, and I'm a recently uh, graduated high school senior. 
Okay. So. And you me. are here kind of representing the youth for us. And we also have with us Kevin Crutchfield from our, our studios. And we're going to kind of try to wrap this up. Ben, what's your take? Is this the first time you've ever heard a politician speak? or? Uh, no, this is not. This is also not the first time I've uh, been in the same room as Bob Ferguson. Oh, really? Um, no, uh, I actually got to see him speak at a conference I went to that was in Seattle about two years ago, where he actually he was speaking about uh, the process of suing the president. Yeah. Um, just in general, he talked about uh, previously suing the Obama administration and then recently suing the, uh, the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. So... I got to meet him then and then today as well, getting to hear him talk. But uh, it's not the first time I've heard him talk. It's the first time I've kind of heard someone individually that outside of maybe like a uh, conference okay. scenario. But So what was your impression of what he had to say today? I think a lot that he had to say was very um, neutral. I didn't think he var- mm-hmm. he didn't vary the path very much. But, um, you know, from what I heard, that's not very unexpected. Um I think some of the things he had to say were very, um, I was glad to hear that the AG's office, like they talked about the child protection, adding, uh, you know, hundreds of attorneys to that. And that's pretty much the biggest section. And then the the other thing was the continuity of, you know, it's a, they try to leave uh, partisanship at the doorstep whenever they go into the office. And so those, so some of those are some of the good things that I got to hear. Okay. Do you believe that though? Do you believe um, it's possible well, to leave partisanship at the door, doorstep? I believe you can make your best effort to leave your partisanship at the doorstep, but you're always going to carry your innate biases sure. into wherever you go. So I like to think that they make a strong effort to not um, you know, bring mm-hmm. politics into everything they do. It's obvious that even Even in light of the 40 lawsuits against the Trump administration and one lawsuit against the Obama administration? Well, I think, I think it's more of a... Yeah, I mean, uh, that that does stand out, but at the same time, he was elected in 2012. Um, so, I mean, I I don't I don't quite know because I'd like to do some more research into that, but yeah. Okay, great. Kevin, what was your take on this interview? I kind of agree. I think he was somewhat neutral on a number of things, but uh what kind of got me uh with him was uh, focused on the children's aspect, you know. Mm-hmm. That's why he's got so many attorneys in there now. And I think that's well, they have the, 600 attorneys, and he said 100 of them are for the child But thing. it was an increase, wasn't it? Yeah, it was an increase. It's yeah. also their biggest section. Right, yeah. right. So um, I've never met the man. I've heard him talk on TV interviews, and that's about it. Um, I think there is a political aspiration there, but he's not going to divulge it because I think he's of that attorney mm-hmm. personality. Yeah. He's very cautious on how he's going to speak. Mm-hmm. Very guarded. Yes. Very guarded. There's definitely, uh, you know, as an, as as the person asking the questions, the person, it's usually I can establish a rapport with people. Usually right. there's a comfort level. I never I never felt that with him at all. Right. He was uh, that that screen that guard was there the whole time, um, which was interesting because I've interviewed politicians and governors before, and usually they're pretty slick. Right. But usually at some point over something, whether it's, you know, a cup of coffee or something, you know, you get that guard dropped a little bit and you establish more of a connection just briefly. I never sensed that once with him. He was a hard interview. He he was a very hard interview. Um, So I don't know. That's my take on it. It'd be good to do him again, you know, uh, try to get him in a little more neutral or a different area where he could open up a little bit more. But I think the guy is so controlling of his uh, speech, of what he's going to say, that I don't think he will uh, 
make any mistake. Yeah, I think you're right. And usually, you know, like when you talk about family or something, that's when you drop your guard a little bit. I didn't sense that at all with him. No, I sensed the same thing. Yeah. What about you, Just this much. Yeah, well, I I mean, it also felt like it was a very fast interview. So Well, they only gave us a half an hour. Yeah, so we only had a 30 30 minutes. So maybe with more time, Mm -hmm. you know, he'd kind of come into it a little bit more. But I also, I think that's maybe just kind of personality is that, you know, he's kind of, like you said, very, he's very thoughtful, but he, you know, so he takes time to think about what he says. Yeah. Well, the thing that did impress me is that he, he didn't have an entourage with him. He was driving himself. You know, to the Rotary meeting, and to, you know, yeah. and and he came here. I was expecting at least one or two people with him, um, but he was that's, just doing it himself. And that's why it surprised me when I saw him walk by the door. I, he's by himself. Yeah, yeah. So you know, good for him. good on him for that one. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah, interesting interview. Very happy that he came out because I do think that this is Attorney General is one of those offices, like Mary said, where. Uh, okay. What do you, know, you do? When, in fact, like we've already established, whether you agree or disagree with any particular person's politics, it is political. That's how we view things. Like you said, Ben, even if you're trying to be objective, even if you're trying to be above that, that's what you believe. I, I, I'm, you know, a hundred years ago when I was in journalism, journalism school, um, you know, the uh, the idea was, you know, you had you cannot be objective. Because you're a human being, and you're made up of all of your experiences and, you know, attitudes and opinions, but you strive for that mm-hmm. objectivity. Yeah. You strive for it. You're never going to be objective. And I think it's the same thing with the politics thing. I mean, you lean one way or the other, and, you know, but you can strive for it. That's one of the reasons I invited Mary to come, because even though she and I are not necessarily on the pa- same page politically— we have always been able to discuss it and talk about it, and that's how you learn. That's how mm-hmm. you grow. Ben, if you had asked one question, if, if I had said, hey, Ben, ask a question, what would it have been? Oh, I would have wanted to ask him about the McCleary decision, um, which was oh, the decision the handed down about uh, education funding. Um, I know that's something that's impacted my school district back mm-hmm. home and other school districts around the state. Um, Currently, my school district, the Edmonds School District, is facing a budget shortfall. They're having to lay teachers off. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I would like to hear from him, like, maybe what's the AG's office doing about that, enforcing mm-hmm. this law that mm-hmm. was, it's not necessarily law, but this hand down that mm-hmm. uh, the state needs to fund it. He threw me a little bit when he said, we enforce, we enforce. Because they don't enforce, the judiciary enforces. Um, so that kind of threw me. Do you know what I'm saying, Kevin? Yeah, I did. It- I didn't notice it so much until you made note of it because I was just listening to the interview. But, uh, yeah, that kind of uh, – I was questioning that, too, after you had asked the question. I'm saying, well, yeah, I understand her idea of why she's asking the question. So let's hear his answer. And he didn't really answer that. I mean, he kept going back to the we enforce, we enforce. Right. But I didn't think that, you know, that branch of the government was enforcement. But maybe it is. Maybe I'm wrong. It's very possible that it's it's part of it. Yeah, I know. To bring I mean, to yeah, the Ben, you'll of, want to get out a piece of paper and write this down today. At what time is it? Heather Stark was wrong and admitted it. Okay, you want okay. to write that down? Okay. okay. I've learned not to write it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we interviewed the attorney general. 
big time here for Valley 104.9 and big time for you listeners too because hopefully you got something from the interview and uh, don't forget that you can you can get back to us you can uh, email me at heather.stark at valley1049.org and you can let me know what you thought if you have uh, questions that you wish I had asked I can always get to his office and we can follow up um, but you know, this is this is what we want to do here at Valley 104.9, and we appreciate Mary Sweet. We appreciate Ben, you coming you. here, and hopefully we're going to see you again. I'd be glad to be around. Good, good. And Kevin, we see you all the time, and it's yeah. never enough. <laughs> <laughs> and we want to see you. We want you to listen, and we want you to come back next Sunday for Valley Talk. <laughs> <laughs>